0: Well, hello, and welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. I am Eric Steuer. Ah, uh, 2020. What a glorious year. There, There is no one among us who would uh, disagree with the fact that this has been one of the finest years on record, right? At any rate, it is winding down. Uh, we're in the middle of December here. But you know what's not winding down? This show. <laughs> there's, there's lots of movies that have come out in the last few weeks. Other ones coming out before the end of the year still. So through the end of the year, we are going to be uh, doubling up and uh, doing two, and even in some cases three episodes a week uh, for through through the end of the year. Pretty exciting. Today on the show we've got Jesse Dillon. I've known Jesse for 12 or 13 years. Uh, we worked together on some things at Creative Commons. He's uh, he's been a photographer. He uh, he's known for having created the Yes We Can video for Obama with Will I Am. You know, he directed, directed a bunch of comedy movies, including. Uh, the soccer comedy with Will Ferrell kicking and screaming. He directed How High with Method Man and Redman. personal favorite. He's also been involved with, with um, all kinds of things that have nothing to do with film. Very diverse career. Uh, he was involved in a uh, open source healthcare project, a platform where people could share medical data. Uh, he's also the son of Bob Dylan, the brother of Jacob Dylan. He comes from a very creative family. Now he's got a, a new documentary out called soros about george soros the controversial billionaire and philanthropist and uh, we talk a bit about that today we talk a bit about some other stuff good conversation with a cool guy hope you enjoy it you can hit me up eric at moviemaker.com and uh here we go right on well it's good to see you let's uh let's you get too. let's get into it um okay when uh when did you decide that you wanted to make this movie?
1: You know, um, I, I'd i been working for George and then um, I made some things for him and I've, I've worked for a lot of different philanthropists and things and I just started to feel like he was really different and sort of uh, it, it took me a long time to understand what he was really trying to do. And once I sort of got a glimpse of it in some way, I felt like uh, other people should get a glimpse of it. So, you know, probably a few years ago. And then it, it took a long time to get him to a, to give me – Uh, permission to do it so you know that took a bit
0: yeah before you started working with him did you know a lot about him
1: no I knew almost nothing about him I had been doing project a lot of different projects and then you know this came up and and uh you know I met him in Hungary and in Budapest and uh you know which is a mysterious sort of you know wonderful city and uh and uh yeah, I didn't know very much at all. So I it took me a long time to and then it took actually a long time to really understand what he was doing, because at first it just sounded like what everybody else does, but then started to realize it was actually very different.
0: Why why is it that um that he makes people so upset when he comes off so wonderfully kind in your in your conversations? You know, I think that that
1: I think that, that has to do more with um uh Well, first of all i don't think we as as people around the world really love billionaires sort of you know meddling or making idea, you know making decisions. if it seems like maybe their votes are more than our votes and so i think that inherently makes people nervous and then i think that you know he was very press averse and so he didn't really do much you couldn't find out very much about him you know he doesn't do a lot of interviews and things so i think that that all just became sort of a mystery and then you know, autocratic leaders around the world need things to push back against. So Viktor Orban in um, Hungary needs a person, you know, who's a boogeyman in order to to motivate people to 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 sort of be interested in what he's doing. And I think that you you know uh, George is a, an easy foil, you know. So I think that he becomes a lightning rod, you know, around the world. But I think that has less to do with him personally and more to do with just that people have aims that they're trying to accomplish and they need somebody to fill the role and he seems to fill it quite well
0: once you got going with this project was was he pretty comfortable talking or is, is he someone that you really have to, to kind of get to warm up
1: you know i i th- he's he's very uh he's very interested in the things he's interested in and so it does become um sort of hard to get him onto other topics but uh you know he he you know he uh, he's very very smart and you know it's like you're you know you gotta you you can get a lot but you have to be prepared and you know you know um uh, you know sort of approach him in the right way you know
0: so how how did you prepare for it uh and and how long does that part of the how how long does that phase of of, of getting things going take
1: you know, initially it doesn't take very long at all because you're just going in and trying to understand what he's talking about. But then, as he starts to mention concepts and ideas, you have to sort of follow those things to come back to an understanding of what he's what he's talking about, like Karl Popper, open society, uh, what the, what those what those things mean. You know, because if they at first they appear very close to democracy, but they're not quite democracy. It's something else, and and uh, that that takes a a minute to sort of you know understand you know the limits of our moral um obligations you know why should why should he be helping people around the world you know why why is he doing that and and uh you know the root of all that is is um you know the nazis in hungary where he was you know he had to hide as a young boy um uh you know, so, so he, he wants to help everybody because he, you know, when he's helping the Rohingya, right. He's doing that because he thinks of himself as one of them. So it's, I think it's a complicated, it's, it's complicated.
0: A lot of people have feelings about George Soros, but I, I think a lot of people don't don't know much about him, which I imagine is part of the reason you wanted to make this. Um, do, do you feel like that after seeing this movie, first of all, do you think that people will um, who may, who may be, have demonized him. Do you think that they will see this movie? And if they do, uh, do you think it's possible to change their minds through a film like this? You know, I don't know that a
1: film will change somebody's mind, but uh, my hope is that people would see it and they would um, entertain giving him a chance. You know, I think the thing that I took out of the movie and took out of all my time with him is just that we can all do things and And, um, you know, we should all in our own way make decisions about making the world a better place. And, you know, um, uh, people may not like um, George Soros, but I think that everybody in their own way does want to make the world a better place. So so it's like, how can we all be active and 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 do that, I think, is important, Um, even for the people who don't like him and maybe never will.
0: How much time did you spend with him to make to, to for these interviews and how many how many different interviews was it?
1: I don't know, it has gotta be, I don't know, fifteen interviews. Um and I would spend I would probably spend each time um an hour, maybe an hour, maybe two hours. Um and uh, a lot of times we were we were going places, doing things, and I was just tagging along, like as a as a camera. And then I would, I would, you know, we would tour someplace, and then I'd ask him questions about what happened there that day, um, you know, which was which was fascinating and interesting,
0: you know. So you you uh, you had known him a bit and you'd worked with him, but but I'm sure you learned a lot. What what were some of the the things that you, you learned uh, from him doing doing these interviews that uh, that, that come to mind? Well, you know, I think the thing is,
1: is that, um, you know, everybody has a voice, you know, every, everybody has a voice and everybody should be heard. It doesn't necessarily mean you should agree with them, but you should at least hear them. And uh, I think that's important because there's so many communities out there that just don't have a voice um, and there's nobody to speak for them. Uh, Nobody, that's not right. It's like they should speak for themselves, but they, you know, sometimes need to be given the the uh the, the the place to do that so i think that was the main thing is just we should listen to other people's opinions everybody else's opinions you know the only the only kind of opinion you're you you should not listen to in, in in an open society which the movie's about is a person who says they want to destroy the open society you know destroy the the public square so to speak you know
0: speaking of different opinions you talked to tucker carlson who is not uh, a george soros fan um but how did you Mm -hmm. find that experience talking to him he was great he was very
1: uh giving to give us the time to do it and and you know he he has opinions and you know uh he's a very very intelligent and and uh uh you know i think that you know and I i don't i don't agree with a lot of things he says on his show but In my time with him, uh, I found him to be impressive, and I found the things he was talking about to be important points.
0: Were there other people, uh, either Fox News personalities or people that have been so openly critical of of Soros, were there other people that you wanted to get in touch with and and that maybe tried to even? Um, There were a bunch,
1: and uh, I'm forgetting his name now, the English, um, the guy who was responsible, one of the main people on Brexit and he actually agreed, but then we never could schedule it. I I, mean, I I was available anytime to do it, but he he I think maybe decided he didn't want to do it or and uh he would have been interesting um spacing his name now. But yeah, there were definitely people, you know, it's 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 hard because, you know, you could say, well, I don't like George, but it's, you know, it's like, okay, well, Victor Orban, why do you not like George? You know, and it's like, it's very hard to get him to come on camera. It's impossible actually to come on camera and talk about why. So, so you're, and and this is true when we say like, well, you know, we don't want democracy. Well, you know, okay, who, who's going to come on camera and say they don't like democracy. Right. So it's a, it's, it's sort of a nuanced thing to find the opposition to these ideas, because I don't think that it's necessarily a, a cogent um, uh, strategy for um, for how people think about these things. They don't think they're opposed to all these things. You know, I mean, it it's interesting if you, if you um, ideologically, you know, the Koch brothers, George Soros, Bill Gates, you know, they, they all sort of profess the same things. If you took the labels off the top, they would be very, you know, they would be similar. And, you know, the idea would be, well, why, Should they have an additional voice beyond what you and I have? And I'm not sure they should.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about your uh, your feelings about that a little bit, because you mentioned that maybe some of the reason that people are suspicious of of George Soros is they just don't like the idea of billionaires um, having such a strong or loud voice. Um, How do you feel about that?
1: Well, I think it's true. I mean, I think the part that is uh, misunderstood about George is that George doesn't think he should have a bigger voice. He just thinks that underserved populations should, or you know, marginalized communities should have a voice. So he, he I think, um, uh, and that does make him different than a lot of the other philanthropists because the other philanthropists are saying, well, I know what should happen. Whereas what George says is, well, I don't know what should happen. I'm gonna give some money to the people in this community who wanna make a change and let them do their thing. He doesn't check on them. You know he tries to make good bets on individuals, and um uh that does set him apart and makes it different um yeah, I think there's too much money in politics. I would have no idea you know, I'm glad I don't have to decide about how to get it out, but it's like it there it does appear there's
0: too much, you know. You've done all kinds of stuff. You've done music videos, you've done uh, you know, like comedies like that, that people love, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, really accessible sure. stuff and then, and then uh, all kinds of other projects too. So if you could just talk a little bit about how you ended up with a career that was so varied, you know, not only in the filmmaking realm, but just you, you do all kinds of things. And so many people are really focused on doing just kind of one thing and one kind of thing.
1: You know, I feel like I'm a curious person. And, and you know, if you're curious, I think you, there's a lot of things you can do if you're patient, Um, and I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of different kinds of needs. You know, I, I love making comedies. Nobody thinks I'm funny anymore, but I do love making comedies. And, uh, uh, you know, I think the thing is, is just to be open to the opportunities that are around you and then just walk through those doors. You know, I made a very successful thing for, um, for Obama with will I am the yes we can video. And that really opened up a lot of opportunities for me to work on all sorts of, Different kinds of projects with Harvard Medical School and MIT, and um, uh, you know Creative Commons and Stanford and all these different places and, and kinds of organizations, and um, I felt like there was a great power in just saying yes. And 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 they're very inexpensive projects; they're very small, but you know they sort of lead you in all sorts of different directions and and things. And I, I think that's. I think that's also true of what is, um, filmmaking now. I mean, you must see that with all the interviews you do, um, uh, where you, where you, um, uh, you know, filmmaking businesses, I knew it has sort of changed a lot. And I think that you have to be willing to adapt to these new times or else you just end up sitting at home, not doing anything. So, you know, they all share one common thing, which is storytelling. How do you tell stories? And, you know, um, uh, making a joke in a comedy is the same thing as something that has to be dramatic because it's all about the setup payoff, you know, the p- pacing, the same, the same questions are are at the heart of all of these different matters. You know, I started as a still photographer, which is still the thing I love to do the most, but, you know, make like two cents doing that now. So, so you, but but you know, telling a story with a still image is is the same thing as telling a story for a um, you know a, a, you know, Tom Wait's music video, which is the same problem as the lack of medical innovation in the medical school at Harvard, which is the same problem. I'm sure people sat around campfires talking about you know what happened in their day, you know, fifty thousand years ago. so so storytelling storytelling's never going out of business, but but um, the, the tools we use and the kinds of stories we tell, I think are just going to keep changing.
0: Uh, you mentioned Tom Waits. I was actually going to, did you do the, uh, the, the, the cover photo for bone machine? Is that right? I did do bone machine.
1: Yeah. I did a bunch of them. Yeah.
0: That's cool. You did other Tom Waits yeah. covers too.
1: Yeah. I, I've shot for him for a long time. He's uh, yeah. He's one of my favorites. Total gentleman. And, and interestingly, you know, um working for Tom is very similar to working for George, you know, and, and uh, um, there, there's, or is very similar to working for Nobel prize winners, you know, and, and, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking about Jim Allison, the person who sort of uh, got the Nobel prize for, for doing um, uh, immunotherapy. And so these kinds of three people or artists, you know, figurative artists, they're all kind of the same, you know, they, they they're, I think there's a great, um, there's a great similarity to people who are seeking excellence, you know, and, and um, uh, I feel like what I've always gotten to do is work with people who are, who are trying to, trying to do that, you know, trying to be, you know, Will Farrell, you know, I, I see great similarity, you know, he's a great artist and, and, uh, you know, I see a similarity between all these kinds of people and I just try and work for them because I think that's the, that's the place to be, you know?
0: Uh, you mentioned just how, you know, how things have changed with, with, um, how creativity is produced and distributed and, and, um, you know you're sort of in this sweet spot where you had an active career as it was sort of in this version that doesn't exist in the same way as it does anymore, and then you've been there through a lot of transition and and and, and see the way that uh, things are looking forward now uh, what What do you think is the the biggest change that you've encountered uh, as a as a filmmaker and an artist? Well, um, you know the
1: the biggest change. Is that it's not comfortable for people anymore? You know, it's like you can't just be a film director and everything's going to be fine. I'm not sure it ever was like that, but it it did feel like there was more security before that you could you could focus on being um, what you could say. Well, I'm a feature director, and then you could just do that. And I think that 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 has sort of changed. and and um, uh it's also opened the world up it's like you and I are talking on on um uh zoom and you know years a year ago you know eight months ago we would have been trying to do this interview in person so this is a way that technology you know I have my own podcast it's like you know I've interviewed people all over the world well A year ago, I'd be like, well, they got to come to my office and I got to shoot them with all these big cameras and stuff. Now we do this on Zoom. So I think that technology keeps evolving and changing and and that's going to make it easier to tell stories. Now, I think what happens is, is that people think that just because the technology is easier, that telling the story is easier and it's not, you know, and that's why we, we look back at, you know, storytellers like Dante or Faulkner or, you know, any, any, you pick, take your pick, you know, you go, go back to the Odyssey. It's still how you tell the story. You know, the principles of the Odyssey are the same principles you would use in telling a story now. So you have to kind of um, you still have to be a good storyteller. And, and I think that that's one of the things that will never change. Cause there's, there's no technology doesn't shortcut that, you know,
0: what is uh what's your podcast all about?
1: just conversations really simple conversations you know it's like um it just grew out of we interviewed so many interesting people i wanted to um have interesting people on the podcast so it's always we talk to different people every week but it's not like if there's any straight focus so you know you might talk to uh, uh somebody about magic and somebody else about meteorites and somebody about a painting that they're restoring or you know it's like you just you just keep I just keep talking to people because I like to do that. I'm sure you do too. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing this.
0: What about a podcast where you just talk to everyone about meteorites? (laughs)
1: that That would be good, but I had these meteorite guys on, they were incredible. And then, you know, you have, I have people on, you know, talk about CERN and then, you know, somebody else talk about Bigfoot, and, you know, it's like you just get all these crazy things and you're curious. I'm, I'm curious about all these things. So like a, you know, a person who owns a truffle farm in Italy and another one who does perfumes in Spain. And, you know, it's like, you just, there's all these crazy things going on in the world, you know, and and you can just reach You know, I, I do find that one of the great things, and this has been coming before COVID is just that when you're, Interested in something, you can just, you know, you just, type, you know, you get the person's email, and uh, you know they're happy to talk to you. You know, I, I remember I was I was really interested in um the the butterfly migration patterns, and I happened to read an article in National Geographic about um, showing this place in Mexico where the the butterflies were, would migrate, and there was this place in the forest where they would stop, and I was like, geez, why would they do that, right? and you know, they have the person in the articles interviewed in the article. So I just see his name, I type it into Google, call him up, you know, start talking about, well, why do the, why are the butterfly, like why are they stopping there? You know, what he doesn't say to me is like, well, how'd you get my number? Why are you calling me? He's, he's happy that anybody's interested in what he's doing. So I think that that's, that's one of the things that technology enables. I mean, you know, we're seeing the future of education now, you know, um, it's like why would i go to harvard university why wouldn't i just go to harvard in the morning and yale at night and you know so so you know ucla in the afternoon you know these these things are going to have to change you know the way that we fundamentally think about education is going to have to change um Cause we're not really getting that much value out of it um, uh, because we can't necessarily get a job afterwards. Not that I, I've been a little long in the tooth for the job, but, but you could, you know, we have these kids, we saddle them with this debt. It's ridiculous. You know, it's so th- things are going to have to keep evolving and changing, I think.
0: Uh, so you have the podcast and then there's see you know, these conversations you have like with George Soros, where they're, you know, the interviews are maybe more high stakes. You're not just to chatting you uh, you know, so do you have, do you have advice for people who are, asking questions either, you know, in their, uh, in their films or on their podcasts, if they're, if, 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 sort of the, you know, the, 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 point of what they're doing is to get information from people. That's interesting.
1: I, I mean, personally, I think the most important thing to do is listen, you know, and, and I think different, I think there's a lot of different ways of doing that, but, you know, listening I find is the most important thing. So I usually have some questions that I want to ask, but, the thing that I'm really interested in is what the person's saying and where that leads you. Because if you, if you, if you're looking down at your notes all the time, I find it distract, I find that distracting. So I'm always trying to, um, I'm always trying to be looking the person in the eye and, and having the conversation with them, because I feel like if I look away when I'm doing the interview, I feel like if I look away, they, they go, why is that person looking away? They're, they're not, they're not being respectful of, of, of what I'm doing. So And then, you know, the thing for me is that it's always really important that the camera be directly at their eye height, right? Because um, if you look up, you're idealizing the person. And if you look down, you're judging them negatively. So, and then, you know, keep it simple, you know, just keep it simple. You know, I, I favor not looking directly in the lens, but, you know, obviously Errol Morris believes, you know, you know, you look, you know, you look direct, direct, directly in the lens, you know, he's got his Intertron. It seems to work pretty good, you know, whereas Werner Herzog, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Werner thinks that there is no truth and Werner and, and Errol thinks there is an imperial, you know, there's a, there actually is a truth. And, um, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure the answer actually matters between the two because they're both genius filmmakers, but um, it's interesting for the rest of us to think about.
0: Yeah, I I just interviewed Errol Morris uh recently and so uh, I, I, I used the phrase so something about truth being precarious and, and, and boy I got a about a six, seven minute response on that where he he he, he vehemently disagreed.
1: Did you see the, um, he, the, if you go on YouTube and watch him, there's a civil war, I think it's Brady took some photographs during the civil war where there's these cannonballs and um, the, there's two photographs, which was very rare. I'm not sure it was Brady, but I think it, it was one of these, it was definitely civil war photographer, but he, Arrow, um, uh, became obsessed with trying to understand which photograph was first. And, <laughs> and so he went to this incredible analysis about trying to figure it out, it's fascinating to watch. But um, I think that there, there, uh, there is truth. You know, the, the, the thing is, images lie. So, you know, and, and I think that you're always trying to, to make image, put images together to tell a greater truth. And that's how Werner thinks about it. You know, he did a movie about um, the oil fields burning after, uh, I forget what it was called. But you know, he starts with this quote and the quote is completely fictional, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and he said, they said, well, why did you put this fake quote in there? And it's to tell a greater truth, you know? And I think that's sort of, that all comes together in Grizzly Man, where, which is just a stunning documentary, um, you know, fascinating, strange, wonderful, all the things he, he does in his movies, you know, I forget what the other one about the caves was called, but that one was great too. You know, I always enjoy watching his movies. He always makes me think in some you know, very different way.
0: My last question is about uh, what what is the, the the truth or the the sort of, you know, where, where do you want to situate people's reality after they watch Soros? What, what what truth do you want them to see?
1: You know, what I hope is that they'll watch it and they'll give him a chance. You know, and they'll 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 think um you know, they'll think about him. I mean, you know, this I think he's very misunderstood. So and and deserves our respect. You know, he may not agree with him, but he deserves respect. I mean, you know, a lot of um, people with that kind of money don't pay for, I mean, I'm just thinking about infrastructure, you know, he, he paid for the infrastructure for the ACLU, for Planned Parenthood, for Human Rights Watch. These institutions would not be um, around and would not been able to have fought as hard as they did for the American people, you know, uh, in these last few years without that infrastructure money. So, I think that you have to, maybe, I think for people who think they know who he is, it it would be good just to take a step back and say, well, you know, maybe he's a little different than I thought.
0: Uh, Jesse Dillon, thanks for catching up.
1: Well, thanks. Nice to talk to you, Eric. Yeah, take care. Thank you, sir.
0: All right. Thanks for listening to Movie Maker Interviews. Check us out at moviemaker.com where we post stories every day about movies and movie making and movie makers. Movie Maker's got a print magazine. It's been going for years and it is truly terrific. It um, is the magazine that you should be subscribed to if you're interested in the art and craft of movie making. Follow us on social media at Movie Maker Mag and subscribe to this podcast and our other podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Say a nice thing or two about our show while you're there, would you? We'll be back soon with another episode of Movie Maker Interviews, and we hope you will be there to join us. Until then, take care of yourselves.